Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 335. Look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what do I want to do every day for the rest of my life? Do that. Gary Vanderchuk. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, my indie film hustlers, to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Today's show is sponsored by Industry Jump. Industry Jump is a global community of verified filmmakers providing the next generation of filmmakers with the resources required to grow their businesses, learn new skills, and manage their careers. You can sign up for free. You can even create a verified portfolio, search for film crew to hire for your next projects, and learn from top-tier creators in the industry through live video mentoring. So if you want to check this out, guys, head over to industryjump.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Shotlister. Paper shot lists suck. And when something inevitably goes wrong on set, you're left to scribble all over your perfect plan. But with Shotlister, you can schedule your film shot by shot and minute by minute. Then on set, just update your shot list and Shotlister automatically does the math so you know exactly what you're doing. Check out Shotlister.com, which is available on macOS, iOS, and Android. And as a special bonus, Shotlister is giving away 50 free downloads every month. Just email IndieFilmHustle at Shotlister.com for your free copy. So guys, before we get started today, I wanted to thank all of the tribe members who have gone over and subscribed to my new podcast, The Film Entrepreneur Podcast. We've got so many subscribers that it actually jumped to the brand new, new and noteworthy section of iTunes, which is insane. That means that is one of the top 20 brand new podcasts in all of the television and film categories. So thank you so, so, so much for all the support, guys. If you haven't checked it out, please go to Film Biz Podcast. That's Film, B-I-Z, podcast.com and check out the new show. There's a lot of great new interviews on there as well. Now, today on the show, we have filmmaker Nick Zanakis, who is the writer, producer, and lead actor of the new film called My Best Friend's Famous. Now, this film was made for under $10,000, but the reason I got him on the show, because we've had a lot of filmmakers who have make movies for under $10,000. I've made two of them for under $10,000. But what I loved about My Best Friend's Famous is that it doesn't look like a $10,000 movie, first of all. And secondly, the cast. He has Mindy Sterling, who is famous for... Austin Powers, the Goldbergs, and among other things. If you saw her face, you would know who she is. 
But even more impressive, they also have Ryan O'Neill, the Oscar-nominated actor from the mega-hit love story and even worked with Stanley Kubrick as a star of Barry Lyndon. You know, to get someone like that for under a $10,000 movie, I had to get him on the show and find out what the heck happened. How did he do it? So the film looks really good, has really high production values for a movie that was made for about ten grand or less than ten grand. So it's pretty, pretty remarkable. And I, and I wanted to pick his brain and see if there's any knowledge bombs that he could drop on the tribe today. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nick Zanakis. I'd like to welcome to the show Nick Zanakis, man. Thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. So uh, you, you made a $10,000 feature film, which is, you know, it is unique, but it's not as unique as it used to be. But the big difference is that yours doesn't look like a $10,000 film. So that's what, one of the reasons why I want to have you on to kind of, you know, dig into your secrets and why it looks the way it looks. And for everyone listening, if you want to see the trailer to his film, it's, it'll be in the show notes. But before we get into it, man, how did you get into this film business? Oh, man. Um, so after like, – I'll give you the short version. After undergrad, I was actually a visual arts major. Um, I went to the University of Delaware – um, I played hockey there. I was in a fraternity. So to be an art major was kind of a, a little unique situation <laughs> at the time. I don't want to date myself and tell you when I graduated, but, um, but always, always was into art, more drawing, painting when I was younger. And then college was like the first time to like even touch that on a bigger you know, kind of scale. Mm-hmm. Got into visual arts. They had a good program and, um, kind of let you pick and choose a little bit of, of what you wanted to do. And then eventually ultimately, you know, landed more towards the film stuff. Um, and kind of by my senior year was like, all right, if I want to do this for real, um, you know, let me figure out a game plan. So I actually started as an actor. I mean, I'm still an actor, but that was like my way in, I guess. Um, so I, uh, did a little research. I moved to New York city, um, from long Island originally, and, um, you know, kind of hit the ground running and got into a two and a half year conservatory acting program in, in the city, um, studied theater cause I thought, you know, all the, you know, great actors and directors came out of New York city theater. And, um, that, that's where I figured it'd be a good place to start. Very um, cool. yeah. So I went to a really good school. It's called uh, William Esper studio in New York city. Um, really great alumni. Larry David went there, Sam Rockwell, um, some really good people, um, studied there and then kind of hit the ground running auditioning and doing that game a little bit. Um, I was on a soap for a little bit. I was doing nice. bit parts, extra work. I mean, you know, how was, the whole, how was, the whole how was the soap? How was the soap, man? You gotta tell me how was it? Is it like soap? Dish? I have a really, I got, <laughs> like I, got a, I got a really good soap. I got a really good soap story actually. Um, so I, I was, you know, in soaps more so than in, um, you know, regular TV You have like guest star, co-star, you know, recurring, but you know, the, the way in, in soaps is the five and under you have five lines or less and they call it the five and under. And like, so you, you get a couple of those and then you kind of build up to like the recurring, you know? Um, and I got one and my character's name was drunk idiot. And that was the character's name. So <laughs> the way that they work, I wouldn't say what soap it was, but um, 
you know, it was in New York City and there's a speaker sound system throughout the whole studio mm-hmm. and the dressing rooms and they only address you by your character's <laughs> name. So I, I see where this is going. <laughs> the whole, yeah. So the whole thing was everybody was like, you know, uh, hey, can we get the drunk idiot to hair and makeup? Drunk idiot, if you could get off the uh, booze for a second, we need you in hair and makeup, you know, so um that was interesting, but it kind of broke the ice and all the main actors were, were really kind to me because of that. And we had a really good time and stuff, but, um, it's interesting, man. It's its own beast for sure. I, I definitely, from doing it, I, I've done like, uh, I've done almost like 10 episodes of, a, of soaps, but, um, it, it's its own beast. I have a lot more respect for those guys. You know, they, they get a script a night, man. They shoot Monday through Friday. You get one or two takes and you're getting a full, you know, a full hour script um, every day to take home with you. So it's uh, it's quick, and uh, it's it, yeah, it was it was an interesting experience just to kind of, you know, see that world. Very interesting. So, you so then you yeah. fall into uh, directing, uh, obviously, and, and writing and putting together a movie. What got you to the point where you made your first film? Um, well, so this feature actually, Kevin Kevin actually directed this feature, um, <laughs> and I wrote, produced and acted in it. Um, but I met Kevin in New York city and kind of the whole do it yourself, start making our own thing, which that was kind of the long winded, I guess me getting to it was, mm-hmm. um, it was when YouTube, I was in New York city. It was kind of when YouTube was first kind of coming out and, and becoming popular. And I was actually, um, an extra on SNL. Mm-hmm. And it was when the Lonely Island guys like Andy Samberg yeah, sure. and Yorma and Akiva yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was like their first or second season. And um, and I was just watching these guys and I remember thinking like, man, like these guys are best friends. They're making like they're making sketches, they're making art and they're doing it together and they're getting paid. I'm like, this is this is the coolest shit ever, you know. And from then on, we and I met Kevin in New York we just started making our own stuff, you know, and we would switch, you know, like I would write and he would direct or I direct and he'd be in it. And, and we just started making our own stuff and it started in sketches and it started in TV and then ultimately got to the point where we're like, you know, we always wanted to be filmmakers and, and, you know, if we want to be filmmakers, you got to make a film, Mm -hmm. you know, and prior to this, prior to this feature, we made two short films and we kind of were testing the waters a little bit with them. Uh, the first one Kevin directed and I acted in the second one I, I directed and Kevin acted in. Um, and that kind of geared us up to this, this kind of feature, um, as our first kind of, kind of endeavor, you know, that we felt like we had kind of the tool, uh, some kind of structure in place to be able to, to, to pull it off, I guess. Now tell me about the film. It's called my best friends famous. Yeah, so it's called My Best Friend's Famous. Um, it is about two friends that moved to Los Angeles from New York, and the less talented, <laughs> slothful one um, ends up on a hit TV show. And the other one is kind of, you know, it's, it's very much like, I think at its core, it's really about like potentially losing your best friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the idea of, you know, everybody seemingly having it figured out and, you know, that feeling that that you don't you know, kind of thing and a little fish out of water, um, trying to keep up, you know, with, with this new world that his friends are now in. And you, and you shot the whole thing for 10,000 bucks. Yeah, actually a little bit under. Um, so we, we kind of use this model from our shorts, which was, you know, 
my day job is I'm an editor. I'm a video editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin, who's you know my writing partner for a long time, he's he's a really talented musician. So uh, we own our own gear in some regards. So we you know that takes a little bit out of the cost. And then I was going to edit it, and he was going to score it. And that was kind of how we did these shorts. And then um, one of the things actually that film hustle. I mean, I've been listening to you guys for. Um, a couple of years now, but one of the mm-hmm. ones was um, the Polish brothers. Yeah. So I think it was. I think it was. Uh, you did. You had Mark and Michael on, right? I had Michael first, then Mark uh, a couple years later. A couple years later. So I remember them talking about, or one of them. It, it might have been the the first one that you did um, about the SAG New Media contract. Yeah, that was one. That was yeah, kind of like for lovers only. Yeah. For lovers only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, because I was having a big problem with SAG for this film because I'm like, listen, we don't have any money, you know, like (laughs) it's under 10 K we're making it in my apartment, you know? And they're like, well, you got to get a payroll company and you got to pay yourself. You got to, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, like what? I'm making this out of my apartment. So, um, (laughs) <laughs> so know, how? So that is a process. So, so yeah. whatever. So that does help. So the, basically, you went through the second new media contract. Yes, yes. To answer your question, yes. So that's what we did. Um, and you know, people like we were lucky enough to have Mindy Sterling and Ryan O'Neill, and obviously, and David Ross Patterson, who's a very veteran stage actor um, in Australia, but also has done some film here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so we paid. You know, we paid those guys. And, um, but everybody else worked for, you know, uh, 125 deferred and, and, um, you know, we're just kind of happy to be a part of it. Um, and the way that we did it is we, you know, we had a script and it helped that I was the lead in it because it meant, you know, we could get away with more and because we could just be like, all right, let's just shoot this stuff today. Cause it's mm-hmm. just you and me, you know, we basically rolled a DP and a sound guy and that was it. So, um, we were like, all right, what's all the scenes that's just this character. He could be eating. He could be walking down the street. He could Mm -hmm. be talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. Let's plan them, schedule them, shoot them. Then, okay, you and your love interest, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's pull them all out, schedule them, shoot them. And that's kind of how we went. And we built up to the bigger scenes and the, and the more complex scenes. And, um, yeah, it was, how long was the shoot? How long was the shoot? Um, we stretched it over about eight or nine months. So you stretched it. So how many days, like if you add them all together? Uh, So actually, like actually shooting days, we probably came in at around 18. Okay. Uh, But we, but we really, you know, it was really dependent on like, okay, so, you know, we have a bar for free, you know, so they weren't all (laughs) 10 hour days, you know, they weren't all like like two or three hours here, four hours there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, that was kind of the benefit of, of having me be the lead in it also because you know it could be like me and kevin just being like we have you know this we have this place for you know four hours let's go and we could just do it kind of quickly without uh, a lot of crazy planning you know so now i have to ask you man how the hell did you get an oscar nominee and a legendary actor like ryan o'neill to be in your ten thousand dollar independent <laughs> film i mean i have to know this no of course i, I mean it's it's crazy. Is he, um, is he your uncle? Is that what it is? Like <laughs> he is my distant uncle. Um, no. So, um, you know, it's funny, man. Somebody once told me, um, you, you know, you never know till you ask and right. everybody's a lot of times people are, are very afraid to, to ask and, and you'd be surprised. Um, and this could be anything, actors, writers, directors, or just in life. 
um, people that, you know, are willing to do stuff or help you out, you know? So, I mean, we did have a connection to him, obviously one of, um, my really good friends from New York who actually, she plays my sister in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, she's known Ryan for a while and she actually, you know, she actually works for him, um, and has worked for him as like kind of an assistant and some other stuff. Um, and it really started with, we wanted to potentially use his house. Right. Because, um, this, the guy, the antagonist in the movie, you know, he's supposed to be a little cliche kind of Hollywood, you know, star. And we wanted yeah. to kind of show that he lived in this nice, you know, Malibu house on the water. Um, mm-hmm. so it started with being like, Hey, do you think you could ask Ryan if it would be okay if we maybe shot a day in his house, you know, like help <laughs> us out, you know? you know, we'll send him the script, you know, it'd be really cool. Um, and he was super gracious and let us do that. And wow. then I kind of was like, I was kind of, I was kind of like, can I take it one step further? Um, and I was like, Hey, you know, do you think he'd do a little cameo? It'd be really fun. You know, we'll kind of, you know, kind of write it to him. And, um, and he read it and was, you know, super gracious, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, he has a presence about him, you know, it's, I've, I've been, (laughs) I mean, everybody obviously was Go ahead. No, no, I got to tell you, because a lot of people who are listening don't know, might not know who Ryan O'Neill is, but Ryan O'Neill was for a, a part of time, probably a good eight, five or 10 years, one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. You know, he was in the big, one of the biggest movie blockbusters of the 70s called Love Story. He did a Stanley Kubrick movie where he was the star of it called yeah. Barry Lyndon. I mean, he is a he was a huge star. So when when I when you reached out to me and you're like, you got Ryan O'Neill in a ten thousand dollar movie, I'm like, I got to know this story. It's re, it's yeah. re, it's remarkable that that he you know agreed to do it. But you're right, you never know until you ask. But isn't this like a such a classic LA story? Like you just like, I oh know. yeah, like oh I know the assistant of 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 an Oscar nominated guy, and hey, maybe he'll be a cameo in my movie. Like that's so right. cliche. It's so true, man. It's so true. And like, you, yeah, you don't know till you ask, man. And I, I didn't know if you would do it, you know, like, um, I had met him a handful of times and like, yeah, I was just like, look, this is a small little movie, you know, and you know, credit to my friend, she kind of went to bat for me and, and she was like, listen, you know, like, I think these guys are super talented and, and, um, you know, this is what they've done and this is some of their work samples and this is what the movie's about. Um, and he was kind of like, yeah, I'll do a dip, you know, and then you obviously you make it, a, you know, you schedule Very comfortable. him. Very comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Like come in, you know, you're good. You're out in a couple hours, you know. Um, but to his credit, I mean, he came in and like, I just think he really loves acting. And I think he loves filmmaking, man. Like, you know, like you could just feel it. And like everybody, of course, was like, how is Kubrick? You know, like, <laughs> how is it? Work? You know, like everybody wanted to know, you know, and he and he was like. He's like, man, he's like, eh. he's like, he was great. He's like, he just kept making me do so many takes. And I was like, I was starting to go mad a little. And he's like, you know, he's like, well, do you want me to change anything? Or do I, you know, and he's like, no, keep going. You're doing good. Just keep going. And, and uh, but he said, uh, you know, he said, obviously, that was one of, uh, you know, one of the highlights, big highlights, highlights of his, of his stuff. And everybody wanted to talk to him about it. It, you know, for sure. Yeah, of course. Everybody's but, like, you know, um, yeah, it was crazy. Anytime I, I talk to anybody who even remotely was re- touched Kubrick, 
You know, I'm like, yeah. so how, how was Stanley? And everybody, because yeah. he's such a mythical, you know, figure in filmmaking. Uh, and yeah. and to work with someone uh, like not only just like a, a, a an actor who worked with him he was he was the star of yeah. uh, of one of his films it's it's fairly remarkable and that he he came out and did your movie is a testament to him man like he's just like he just wants to yeah. do it he just wants to have some fun yeah like I caught him too we were like when we were filming at his house I caught him kind of like looking over the balcony like checking out the cameras and stuff like I, th- I just think he loves it you know like it was cool you know I was like ah oh, he's still got that itch you know. And, so, how, and what did you shoot on? So we actually shot on a Sony A7, um, okay. which I which I own, and um, I also have a Schneider uh, Zion Prime, thirty five nice. millimeters. So we shot the whole thing on that. Um, nice. So you know that Sony A7 is really good in low light, and also has a super thirty five crop mode, so you kind of get like a thirty five and a fifty. But that's it, man. We shot the whole thing on that on that uh, internal little four K camera. And um, and and what do you do for sound? Sound, we own a little. We owned a little sound kit, so we basically had. Um, we have like a Zoom F8, mm-hmm. which is um, you know, it's it's pretty good. And then we had GH3 lobs, and um, and and a lot of prayers to the movie gods that we wouldn't fuck it up. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like, um, but. but we, uh, you know, some days we were rolling double duty and some days we had somebody, you know, the bigger days we had, we had somebody like on the bag at all times, but, um, you know, it was, it was challenging. Now, what was like the biggest thing you learned in production while making this film? Biggest lesson. <sighs> biggest lesson I think that we learned is, um, I wouldn't spread it out again like yeah. we did. Yeah. I'm glad that we, I'm glad, I'm glad we did it. Like, I'm glad we got it in the can, but I mean, it it became, it it started to really wear on me, you know, the, the time that we were like locked into this. Plus, you know, we're shooting out of my apartment, you know, I'm in every scene, you know, I wrote it with Kevin, we're using my gear, you know, um, so spreading it out over a long period of time, it allowed us to do it while having jobs and life and, you know. Kevin has kids and all that stuff that comes with it. But, um, I, I, I underestimated how much that would wear on me. I think, you know, um, I would, I would scheduled it a, a tighter for sure. Now you, you wrote it. Was this a, a full blown script or a screenplay or did you actually improv some stuff? So it was actually, um, it was a, it was a full feature. It was actually set in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, at first and it was a little it was bigger you know it was kevin and i were trying to sell a bunch of stuff we had we had a tv deal um that kind of jammed us up for about two and a half years we were in an option with a big a big studio and um it was also a very hollywood cliche and did not Mm -hmm. end well and Mm -hmm. but kind of made us be like you know let's let's do this let's do this on our own you know um so i don't i don't even know if i answered your question um the writing the writing Oh, the writing of it. Um, so it was a script, um, but it was much bigger. It was it was more like we were kind of we had set it in New York, and it was more kind of to potentially option or sell. And then we were looking at kind of our I don't know arsenal or inventory, if you will. We were like, what could we pull off for cheap? You know, if we could kind of rewrite it for what we have, mm-hmm. and that's that was kind of the starting place for it. You know, we kind of worked backwards a little bit. 
and changed it to work with things that we had access to, you know. But it was an actual, but it was an actual full blown screenplay where you actually have dialogue, and all the actors had to know their dialogue and stuff. It wasn't improv like scriptment, like the like the Polish brothers did. No, it was not. It was it was it was a fully written written piece. Yeah. Now, how how are you handling post? You're going to be doing all the editing yourself, obviously. So, yeah. So I um I edited it, Kevin and um. One of our producers um, did all the music mm-hmm. for it, um, and we just got the first uh, pass of our sound mix done um, mm-hmm. that we that we reached out to, and actually, really, really, oh, man, helps so much. Um, <laughs> yes, it does. It's, it's yes, it so does. Crazy. It's unbelievable, you know. Um, so we're we're really close, you know. We kind of um, playing the festival uh, game a little bit, but kind of trying to figure out where we are going to land distribution wise and yeah so what are you what are you going to do for distribution well i I think most likely we're going to self-distribute it um we're talking to some people um some some companies overseas a little bit um but i've do you know the filmmaker jim cummings who did thunder road yeah the name sounds familiar yeah so he's um he did this one minute not one minute sorry this one take um short that one Sundance mm-hmm. and he followed up and did the feature version of that, that one South by, mm-hmm. and he's very vocal about having no deals come out of it at all for yeah. distribution, right. you know, after winning South by, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, he's kind of been an advocate for self distribution. So, um, you know, we're kind of starting to research how he did it and, and, and other people that have self-distributed, yourself included, I know that you self-distributed um, some of your films. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're leaning towards that kind of being probably the direction, at least domestically, you know. And if we could maybe broker some deals overseas, we're looking into that. But um, it's 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 still a little bit up in the air, you know. We're waiting to hear from festivals, but I, I don't have much faith in festivals anymore, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think I, you know from seeing the trailer alone. I mean, I don't find that this kind of film plays well at festivals. Uh, you know, yeah. in, in my opinion, it's just because it's it's a comedy. It's it, you know, it, it's about the industry, which generally doesn't play well at festivals. Those kind of things. It's tougher. It's a tougher sell for for festivals. It's not kind of like what they're yeah, programming for. Sure. for. So it's a difficult – as far as sales are concerned, I think you, you could definitely sell overseas with this because it's very American. It is Hollywood and that does sell well. All and right. you do actually have a uh, – you know, not only one face but you actually have a name that people you know, uh, will recognize at least. And you could put the word Oscar nominated. Nominee. Yeah. Uh, nominee uh, on the, in the trailer and in the thing if, if, if Mr. O'Neill allows you to do that. Yes, uh, yes. So we, that, call it, we call him Mr. O'Neill all the time. Yeah, no, you, 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 don't bust, you don't bust out like, yo, Rye, what up, man? We're going out. You yeah. want to come? <laughs> no. Um, I got a reshoot for you. He'd be I like, got, oh, yeah, I got a reshoot. Can we do – can you come in? Only 70 takes like Kubrick. You know, I'm just trying to redo what you know yeah. you did with Kubrick. Um, not very cool, man. Uh, now, you said originally that you le- you listened to a bunch of Indie Film Hustle. How did Indie Film Hustle help you on this process? I'm, I'm curious because I always put stuff out there, but I really want to know how yeah. it's actually practically helping you guys. Well, I mean, I mean, listen, dude, like I think everybody needs some reinforcement and inspiration sometimes, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. especially as filmmakers and indie filmmakers and struggling and um, – so I first came on to you guys like maybe maybe a couple years ago and um, 
kind of just looking for other, you know, like-minded filmmakers and just, um, and you have some really great guests and just educational stuff too, but sometimes even just the, Hey, you know, it's been a rough week and, um, you know, do I want to do this anymore? Like, what am I doing? You know? And sometimes, you know, just finding, you know, something on your podcast where it's just like, Hey, you know, um, you, you know, this is my experience or, or having a guess that it's like, this is their experience. So just from a, you know, kind of just <laughs> a human aspect, it's been helpful. And then, um, you know, the, um, like I said, the Polish brothers one, that was a big one with the, uh, with the new media contract. Mm-hmm. Cause when they first talked about it, that was fairly new. Um, and that kind of helped us with a little loophole, especially having, you know, Mindy and Ryan and, and people that, that we had to do something, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it was, um, it was interesting though, that they actually asked for forgiveness, not for permission. Uh, so I, yes. don't, I don't know if you remember yes. that in the interview, like they, they went out and they like, screw it. We don't give a crap. And, and they just, which I love, which is, yeah. And they're just like, and they came back and no one would have cared because it was shot a little DSLR movie with no, like, you know, very little script and they shot it in France and it just happened to have a, you know, major TV star on it at the time, but she wasn't a major TV star or just starting out like a season or two in or something when she did it, um, Stana Kadic from Castle, but when they came back and they made a half a million dollars on it on, on iTunes because they were like the first guys to use iTunes, one of the first. And she had a huge following. And the movie's yeah. called For Lovers Only. So they're all like waiting for her and him to have a you know beautiful, you know, lovemaking scene or something like that. So you know that that bribe fell into it. And they just did this whole thing. And uh, then Sag's like, hey, 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 where's our where's our money? Of and course. They're like, and of they're course. like, we didn't sign anything with you. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> I know. I do. I, yeah, I do remember that. So like they were, they almost, I think they said they almost were like the reason it came about, right? Yeah. This they new were, media. Cause they were like, Hey, you don't have a contract for us. Right. Right. Exactly. They, they would have never been able to make it with their traditional SAG contract. And they just didn't care. They were making a French new wave black and yeah. white movie. Um, which is why I, I mean, I'm, I'm so humbled and blessed that I was able to get that movie for my streaming service and, and the making of the movies on IFH TV because I love that movie. It's such an inspiration, that movie, for me as well. It was one of the inspirations I shot uh, This Is Meg with because I saw what they did. I was like, well, I could – I mean I could go do that. Like, I, not, not, yeah. not saying it like I could just do it like they did it, but I was like it inspired me. I'm like, well, I can definitely go make a movie myself. I'm like, let's do this. And yeah. it, it's such an inspiration. I'll put a link in the show notes for the – both of the epi- both of their episodes because Marx has a whole other angle on his movies yeah. and all the stuff that he came out with later. But yeah, did you hear that last one? I did, I did. Yeah, I actually it's it's funny because I met um, I met Kate Bosworth at a film festival. Okay, yeah. and that's she's, Michael's. Uh, she's Mar- Michael's wife. Yeah, um, and they had done that movie Nona. Yeah, that that oh. she was in. Oh, and uh, <laughs> oh no! Yes, yes. <laughs> So, but, um, but I remember talking to her about it too, as far as being like, we're just going to go shoot this thing and jump around countries and, and, you know, and they did. Yeah. Michael told me about that. um, Michael told me about that years ago. And, and it was like, um, you know, for people who don't know, like she actually said what the budget was publicly (laughs) and killed their distribution deal because they're like, Oh Oh yeah, we made this movie for like 500 bucks or something like that. Something ridiculous. <laughs> and she's and they're like, what? And we were gonna give you a hundred thousand dollars for this. 
you know, because it's starring Kate Bosworth in it, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike, Mark told us that story. I was like, oh, it's brutal. <laughs> so brutal. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, God. But, but, but you know what? That is a true indie spirit, man. It's just going out there and asking for, for asking for forgiveness, not permission many times, making sure everything's safe and everyone's cool and all that stuff. But, you know, going out there and making it happen so that, you know, you, you guys are definitely a, a proponent of that and with your film, uh, without question, man. But I'm, yeah, I'm glad Indie Film Hustle, you know, threw you a couple bones and helped you guys out a little bit. Yeah, man. No, absolutely, man. And and I appreciate it, dude. Trust me. There's a lot of, you know, as you know, there's a lot of uh, filmmakers out there that need a little, you know, a little inspiration and pick me up every every now and then. So dude, I, I wish I would have had keep I it going. I wish I would have had something like this like 20 years ago, dude. <laughs> like, like I know. there was no, there was no the, the, the filmmakers coming up now. They have just no idea what it was like in the 90s, man, or in the 80s and 90s when there is no information about filmmaking, like none. Yeah. Like the Raiders of the Lost document, Raiders of the Lost Ark documentary, and like the Star Wars documentaries are it. This is right. before DVDs. This is before there's like nothing, and then you yeah. had to go buy books, books <laughs> to learn about filmmaking <laughs> in the library. Yeah, I know. Library. Yeah, I know people library. are like, what is this library they speak of? Um, so I'm going to ask you a few questions. To ask about my guest, dude. What advice would yep. you give a filmmaker wanting to break into the business today? I, I always go with just just make your own stuff. You know, if if you're an actor, you put up a play, make a short film. You know, if you're a writer, write for somebody that wants to put up, you know, get with get with people that um, want to be proactive. And I, I always believe in the doing, you know, I think that's, you know, because you could have a million excuses to not do anything, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think you learn. I think you learn more from doing. I've always been. You know, some people could read a textbook and that like translates in their mind to them, you know, but for me, it's always been like in the doing, you learn more than you could ever learn in in a book, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, is there a book that had a big impact in your life or career? Um, you know, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could, if I could point my finger in one, I, I like a lot of kind of biographies, autobiographies, um, and again, just for like inspiration, you know, kind of see where people started. So I know, um, um, I read Jack Nicholson's one, which is a good one. I forget the name of it. Actually, I think I have it over here somewhere. And then, um, and Scorsese on Scorsese on oh, film is yeah, pretty great too. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially being from New York. I'm like, I'll oh, Marty's a God, man. Scorsese makes. Yeah, M- Marty yeah. And, and Spike so. Lee and, and Spike Lee, both New York guys that just like, you know, are, are gods in New York. Yeah, without question. Yeah. Now, what lesson took you the longest to learn, whether in the film business or in life? Um, I guess I would say, um, kind of, um, why, like being okay with why you're doing it. You know, I think early on, you're, or at least for me, you're kind of like, I think it's natural to kind of look for for approval from, you know whoever, peers, family, friends, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of want to share, almost share that journey with that, you know, with them. But I think when I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm doing this, I love it. I'm doing this for me. They're going to love me no matter what I could do whatever. And I think that kind of opened up some kind of freedom to kind of really try to enjoy it. I know everybody says, enjoy the process and the journey and all, <laughs> all that stuff. And, and, you know, I guess, 
there is truth to it, but, um, but yeah. And, and, and know that, you know, re- results are like, they're very fleeting. I mean, just because something's in a movie theater or it's on TV, it doesn't mean it's a good movie necessarily. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, you know, you're doing any less or something, you know, it's, it's all relative to a certain extent. So I don't know. What is the biggest fear that you had to overcome to make this film? I guess fear of failure. I mm-hmm. mean, people not liking it, you know, not reaching an audience or, um, you know, not getting the response to that. And we're still dealing with that in some mm-hmm. regards. You know? like mm-hmm. Yeah. Festivals, know, for, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you get like, you know, gazillion, you know, rejection letters and emails, but, um, yeah, I think, I, th- I think more so that, I don't know for, for us, we've never kind of had like the fear of making, like, like we've been making stuff for so long that I think we know like we could get it done, but mm-hmm. it, I think the, qu- you know, the quality and the story and if it's going to connect with people, um, and if the message is right and, and we're staying true to ourselves while doing all that stuff, you know, I think that's always, I think that's always the, the hardest. Yeah. And three of your favorite films of all time. Oh, and I knew you, I should have, I knew you were going to ask me this too. Um, <laughs> I, I like to separate them. I like, can't put them all in, in like the top three. So I usually like to do, all right, so I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you three. Mm-hmm. Um, and more so cause they kind of like oddly affected me. But so for comedy, I always have to go to like, Caddyshack, man. <laughs> Caddyshack. Uh, I don't know. It's just yeah. no. It's, it's still it's it still holds true. It still holds true. It still holds. And then um, one that like really affected me, and I don't know why that I watched when I was younger was Requiem for a Dream. Darren well, Aronofsky's. Not affect anybody. Movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, not affect anybody. And I feel I feel like that. And then like from like. Um, like a blockbuster, like an aha, like in the movie theater kind of moment. Like I think E.T. for me. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah. That was mine. Just like, I don't know. There's just something of something. It was just so much larger than life for me. And, you know, and you know, another one that like obviously holds up. But there's so many. I I, I don't know. Those yeah, that's, that's, that's Stevie thing. Spielberg. That Stevie Spielberg really helped out a lot of filmmakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard he's. Uh, I heard he's going to make some waves. Look out for him. <laughs> yeah, little Stevie Spielberg's going to do all right. Um, and now, where can yeah. people find you and uh, find out more about the movie? Um, so, four eighteen films dot com is our website that probably has the most up to date stuff. Or uh, Instagram is we're probably posting the most about, and that's at four eighteen films. Um, and yeah, hopefully within um, you know in the next couple of months, we're going to kind of know what's what's up and and how we're getting out there. Awesome, brother. Nick, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and dropping some knowledge uh-huh. bombs and some inspiration for everybody listening. So hopefully now you can pass it along and pay it forward the same way by you listening to Michael and Mark got That's inspiration right. to make it. So now hopefully now out there somewhere, there's a filmmaker going, if Nick can do it, <laughs> I can go do it too. So hopefully hey. that'll happen, man. Yeah, I hope so, man. It's, it's yeah, it's it's nice to hopefully give back a little bit. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, Nick, for coming in and dropping some inspirational knowledge bombs on the tribe today. It just goes to show you guys, if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. And I'm so glad that the Indie Film Hustle podcast helped you 
in some way make your film. So thank you again, Nick, so much. If you want to get links to anything we talked about in this episode, please head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 335 for the show notes. And if you haven't already, please head over to FilmmakingPodcast.com, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps us out a lot, and I really want to get this information out to as many filmmakers as humanly possible. Also, share. If you love what you, you we do here, share it. Share links. Share things on Facebook, on Twitter, or Instagram, wherever you want to share it. Please share this information to as many people as possible. I really, truly appreciate it, guys. And I've got a few other things cooking for the tribe. You know I love cooking. You know <laughs> you know I love doing cool stuff behind the scenes for you guys, and that's what I'm going to be doing and am doing as we speak. And I am busy finishing up my new book, Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, which, by the way, became a number one bestseller already on Amazon in the filmmaking book category. That's insane. So thank you so much. If you want to check that book out, head over to filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. And check it out, pre-order, sign up, all that kind of cool stuff. That's the end of another episode of the Indie Film Hustle podcast. I hope this episode has been of service to you on your filmmaking journey. Thanks again, and as always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia. Your Total Wine & More store is ready to serve you with our always low prices on an incredible 8,000 wines and 2,500 beers. Want it today? Try our same-day delivery or contactless curbside pickup at TotalWine.com. Whether you're grabbing your favorite beer or pouring a glass to enjoy an evening on the deck, Total Wine & More has you covered. Visit any of our 12 stores in Northern Virginia.